For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? The U.S. Open, the final tennis Grand Slam event of the year, is back with fans in the stands in New York. Unfortunately, injuries will prevent some of the greatest players in the sport's history, including Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Serena, and Venus Williams, from playing. It's the first time since 2003 that both sisters will miss the Open. Novak Djokovic can complete the calendar year Grand Slam with a U.S. Open title to go with his Australian, French, and Wimbledon trophies. A win also would be his 21st major men's championship, breaking a tie with Federer and Nadal for the most Grand Slams by a man. ESPN will present over 130 hours of exclusive coverage with every match from all courts available on the ESPN app between ESPN Plus and ESPN3. ESPN analysts John McEnroe and Pam Shriver like Djokovic's chances. Shriver explains why his attempt at a Golden Slam was different than Steffi Graf's feat in 1988. I anticipate that he's going to win the tournament. That's what I anticipate. Um, I felt before Wimbledon started that he was going to win the Grand Slam. I felt like he was going to lose at the uh, Olympics, uh, the two out of three format, um, and just excessive travel, no fans, etc. I think contributed to the heat is the big thing. To me, um, it's going to be um, him against the field. I picked him right now, and um, the heat could be an issue for any player, any top player, any player for that matter. That could be you know, a deciding factor if he were to lose to someone, if he got stuck in a situation where he was playing in really hot conditions like it, it's going to be tomorrow if he was playing during the day. Otherwise, I think he's going to do it, which, you know, it's going to obviously make things quite more interesting and exciting at this tournament. See if he could pull off something that, you know, no one's done since labor in 69. So it's exciting. Yeah, I'm picking up on what John just mentioned about the history of the game. When you think about on the men's side, 69 since uh, Steffi Groff in the 88, um, and that was a golden Grand Slam, but her golden uh, her gold medal was after the U.S. Open, so after she'd clinched the calendar year. Um, I think Novak returns to probably the U.S. Open a year after the most embarrassing situation that he's had. I'm sure he's even more determined. But I will recall what happened to Serena Williams, um, what, six years ago when she was going for the calendar year Grand Slam at Vinci to play Panetta to win it. And uh, nerves got to her. Um, then she played a magical match. So I'll just sort of say these things are hard to do for a reason. Um, but if anyone can do it, obviously Novak's been the guy the last, what, five, eight years in the majors more so than even uh, Rafa and Roger. Even without Roger and Rafa, McEnroe knows it'll be difficult for Djokovic to do something that hasn't been done by a male player in 52 years, but having fans in the stands will help him. Obviously, with Roger and Rafa not being 
here at the event. It's going to put even more attention on him and his quest for the slam. So that's not going to make it any easier. Obviously, it does open the doors for the Zverevs, the Medvedevs, Sissy Passes of the world to make that breakthrough. Team isn't even here. He won it last year. So it's strange times still. Uh, hopefully, it's going to have tons of fans. I mean, everyone's got their fingers crossed. It's going to be better for, obviously, everyone if it does, including Novak, who I think was neg- negatively affected by that in, in Tokyo. Um, but I still think he's going to do it. But uh, it's easier said than done, like Pam said. And I mean, there's a reason it hasn't been done in 50-something years. It's tough. It's really tough. So uh, we'll see how he handles it. He handles this about as well as anyone I've ever seen in the last, you know, five, ten years of his career. So I think he's ready for the moment. Who or what will be the biggest challenge for Djokovic on Queen's hard courts? McEnroe and Shriver note the weather, as well as some talented young players stand in his way. I would say the biggest threat, uh, first of all, the biggest threat to Djokovic in my book is the conditions, you know, like the heat and, you know, that where any, you know, he's a human being. And I think that could affect him more than his opponent. Um, other than that, um, I mean, you're looking at the new wave coming in. Uh, we thought maybe Medvedev was going to be able to do a number finally in Australia. Well, Novak pretty much gave him a lesson there. Uh, Shapovalov was playing great in the semis of Wimbledon, but, you know, at the big moments, couldn't cash in. And that seems to be the trend, you know. Um, team almost got him at uh, Australia last year. Couldn't do it. You know, now he's not even playing. Um, so it takes a huge, huge effort to do that. Um, uh, it's... It's difficult to say, like, who are those guys, whether it's Zverev, Sissipas, Medvedev, those are the obvious ones that come to mind for me. Who would be in best position to do that? I mean, I think it just, I, I, I couldn't predict. Uh, I, I would say it would be one of those three, three players if it was. Uh, I don't think at this stage, you know, like a guy like Isner, who no one wants to play, or Opelka, the guys that can take the racket out of your hand. Um, over a best of five, that's a much taller order to beat Novak than it would be at, say, a Cincinnati type event where you're playing two out of three. So the other part is just the pressure of uh, that's that's if that gets to him, you know, that's Lord knows what 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 everyone's been going through the past year and a half and all this talk about uh, you know mental health. Um, what happened last year at the open forum when he was default, all that's going to, you know, play somewhat of a factor. And the fact he didn't win a medal at the Olympics, you know, will that matter? I don't think it will, but we just don't know the answer to that. I actually like the fact that Djokovic is, uh, has taken this time after Tokyo and after the year he's had to sort of get his mindset right for what's going to be the most pressure packed tournament he's ever played. Um, I think that um, he's the one that's most likely to derail himself. Um, but the players that Johnny mentioned are at this age. So that's Medvedev, Zverev, Sitsipas, and if Berrettini's healthy. And, you know, they're starting to really mature and get that bit of belief 
that in the biggest moments in the majors, they can do it. Tsitsipas must have learned a lot from being up two sets to love in the finals of Roland Garros. Um, Zverev last year losing the team. I mean, I, I feel like if they get in that big match again, they're going to play just a little bit better. But in the meantime, um, I always love to see what turns out for tennis history and um, winning the calendar year Grand Slams as big as it gets. Rivalries are at the heart of sports, and McEnroe and Shriver have been part of and seen great ones over the last 40 years. While celebrating today's rivalries, they share who to watch in years to come. It's going to be a tall order to surpass what we've witnessed on the men's side the past 10, 15 years. And in fact, it seems almost impossible that this uh, has happened uh, and that they've actually lifted each other's games as significantly as they have and become to me, the three greatest players that ever lived uh, and the men's side, it's absolutely astounding what they pulled off um, and the amount of times they played. And I think back to my matches with Bjorn and, you know, it felt like there was such a great explosion in tennis. But, you know, I look back, we only played 14 times. I think Nadal and Djokovic played 58 times now and Chrissy and Martina played 80 times. You, uh, so it's... Um, in some ways, it's like, wow, I could have wished I played more against that guy. So I think it's absolutely critical to our, our game, a one-on-one game where, you know, you don't have a team to root for, obviously, if you live in a certain city. So it just gives the, the fan more of a rooting interest. So I certainly hope this huge void, this, like, you know, crater that's going to take place, uh, that's starting to take place, obviously, because we don't, Rogers, he's 40, Rafa, we don't know about. Novak seems to be able to do this for a couple of years, but who's going to step into that? And will they have provide that type of excitement? Could Sissy pass Medvedev or, you know, some of the guys that I mentioned or the two Canadians develop a rivalry if they were able to step up their games. So there's, you know, what Americans going to step forward uh, on the men's side and do and, and really, you know, challenge and win majors. So these are, you know, issues. It's, I, I think it's more wide open now and unpredictable than it's been in 30 to 30, 40 years since before I was playing, actually. Um, I, I don't see uh, how you could say, OK, Sissy Pass is going to win eight majors. I, I, I don't see anyone that you are able, uh, I'm able to confidently predict. So it would be difficult to confidently predict who those rivalries will be, but I sure hope they're there because we need them. Yeah, I think we need to really just pause and uh, celebrate 2020 and to think that uh, these three players have managed on the men's side to reach a number that prior to Federer reaching it had never been reached even close. Um, So even though it's disappointing, they're all not – they're all three not in this U.S. Open. It's really a time to celebrate. And I think we do reflect back to other rivalries. Um, I took a back seat in 78 when I started to play. That was the year Martina won her first major at Wimbledon in 78. And that's really what I, I think brought Everett and Navratilova's rivalry to the fore. And that became unbelievable. As John mentioned, 80 matches and they were almost 50-50. They both retired at 18 majors. John and Bjorn, while not as long a rivalry, was still so special because of the matches they played in majors and in major finals. That's really what puts the rivalry to an exceptional level. So when I think on the women's side um, and I think about rivalries that are developing and and the women's game has really been devoid of them for some time now. 
Um, I look at Osaka and Coco Golf, and I wonder, for example, they've played three times, 2-1 Osaka. If they both stay healthy, stay in the game, golf continues to progress, that could be a rivalry where I could see them playing late in majors time and time again. But I, I think it's too hard to say. I'd say on the men's side, you know, I looked at what happened with Tsitsipas and Zverev, and one of the things you love with rivalries is when they have sparky, difficult moments of conflict. Um, so if they play again at the U.S. Open, off what happened in Cincinnati, um, I think we're all going to be a little more interested. Like, is this uh, one of the rivalry, new rivalries developing? So uh, the next couple of years will tell. After withdrawing from the French Open and not playing Wimbledon, Naomi Osaka lit the Olympic cauldron for the Tokyo Games and lost in the third round of that tournament. She's back, seeking her third U.S. Open title. While Shriver expects Osaka to contend, she has questions following her summer. When you think about Osaka 12 months ago, um, at you know what she did during Cincinnati and New York and then the U.S. Open, you know, she put herself into uh, the conversation about social justice, and um, she really was, as an introvert and someone so shy, she was really willing to really be a leader, and um, I so admired that. Um, obviously, her play on a hard court, um, winning the four majors that she's won since uh, 2018 finals U.S. Open, where she handled a situation that was as crazy a situation ever in a major final. She handled it beautifully. So, um, you know, she's certainly going to be one to, to look out for, but these last few months obviously have been extremely difficult. John alluded to sort of the, um, the effects of the year and a half and the pandemic, kind of the, the bandwidth that each individual athlete has to deal with um, adversity it really varies. Like Barty seems to be doing great. Um, she took most of the first year off. Um, Osaka obviously has been um, having some struggles that she's come forward with. Um, so it's, it's a little unpredictable, but she's going back to a place where she's won it twice. And um, usually when you have those kind of special memories, you can play some pretty good tennis. So I expect her to play well, but I do have more questions going into this U.S. Open than I would have had the last few months been smoother for Naomi. McEnroe applauds Osaka's courage, which also leads to more scrutiny. And Shriver notes pre-pandemic mental health concerns and the importance of mindset for top players. Well, she's won four majors. She knows how to win the big ones. Um, uh, so I, I, I believe uh, that that'll happen again in the future. However, uh, my concern is, even though I think that um, she um, showed a lot of courage in a lot of ways uh, to bring out the, to the forefront mental health, uh, my feeling is, unfortunately, that's only going to exacerbate, make worse the attention that's going to be put on her. You know, they're going to look at her even more carefully, whether it's the press, the fans, everyone around the sport. And that's going to make it, I think, more difficult, more difficult, not easier. So that's the part that I'm worried about, that um, while she met well and hopefully uh, she will help a lot of people in the process, obviously including herself, because she is a very shy, introverted person, at least from what I've seen. Um, that she's going to be able to sort of have, be able to handle this as she 
gets a little bit older and matures because she's the type of player that we need around the sport another 10 years and that should you know win a, more, a, a bunch of more majors, hopefully, if she's in the right headspace. Yeah, I think, um, again, leading the way, uh, Osaka, I mean, not that athletes and mental health hasn't been discussed, whether it's, you know, Michael Phelps or, you know, other athletes that have struggled even before the way, mm-hmm. way before the pandemic. But, um, you know, I think uh, it's a time on the tour where you're noticing a lot of players actually discuss whether it was Iga Sviantek when she won it, her Roland Garros and the role that her mental health um, doctor played, I don't know, doctor or the provider. Um, Barty has greatly benefited both when she left the sport to play cricket um, and in recent times, Halep, uh, you know, and Darren Cahill basically said, okay, I'm done. I'm uh, after Miami that time. And she got some help. Um, Conta has been, Joe Conta has been very open about it. Uh, Craig Chikova and everything that she's been able to accomplish. She credits a lot to um, some mental health training, um, whether it's visualization or just plain old therapy. So I think it's the modern day. It's kind of like where um, top players were 20 years ago with bringing their own physical therapist or physio or trainer into the team. I think this is becoming uh, the new most essential part. Uh, And not that they have to be on site, but um, to have a person on your team that can really help your mindset and I think Novak's actually been another one, obviously, that's uh, benefited from working on the mindset. It's really crucial. From the start of the tournament through September 8th, ESPN's coverage will start with the first ball, typically at 11 a.m. Eastern, and continue for 12 or more hours until play concludes each day. The women's semifinals will air Thursday, September 9th at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, with the championship on Saturday, September 11th at 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. The men's semis will air on ESPN on Friday, September 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern, with the championship on Sunday, September 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes, and find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.